0: From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G. and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian.
1: hearing much there we go okay welcome to the desert scene um so we're heading into the holidays thanksgiving's coming up Are you doing something exciting for thanksgiving
2: brian (laughs) you know that's a good question like i think i'm gonna have the first normal thanksgiving in a while because it's gonna be the thanksgiving day parades back the charlie brown special is gonna be Mm -hmm. on my blu-ray finally because i finally bought that and i'm just gonna have like I already have my recipes filled up. Like I already I'm super prepared already. I don't know. I've so are you are do you cook? Do you are you part of the the, yes, the I cook. chef team? Yes, yes I cook. Yes, I cooked the green bean casserole which is uh-huh. not a lot, but I also I love coo- green bean casserole. Yeah. I cooked that. I've also cooked I cooked pumpkin pie once. I love pumpkin pie. That's my <laughs> favorite pie by far. Yeah. I love, Did it not come out well? It came out well, but it's like I was lo- tasting I was like this tastes almost as good as the the store-bought one mm-hmm. so i might as well just save myself the trouble and s- buy that yeah. and also i bought what was it sweet potato casserole like mm-hmm. i also made that mm-hmm. so and i think the first time i made it there was a part of it that came out raw like the the, the corner of it wasn't cooked all Quite the way clean, yeah but the rest of it was right. fine so we just cut off that part and throw it in the microwave throw it in the microwave <laughs> and there we go and and i do help with like the mashed potatoes but it's weird because my mother used to do everything mm-hmm. and she still does she still does the turkey yeah but I somehow took over the responsibility of most of the cooking and uh, no one's complained about it yet in fact I've gotten a lot of like compliments. Y- compliments <laughs> well, and good for you so I'm really happy because like because um, typically the men in my household and my family don't cook but it's nice to see that no one tells you otherwise like they're actually like all oh, your cook you cook. That's great. You yeah. know. So it's not a man or woman thing, but it's one of those things. But I want. What do you cook? Do you well, cook? I I do not cook.
1: <laughs> Eric cooks. Eric is the cook. My, my partner. I clean and do laundry and all a lot. I do everything else. But he does the cooking. He's good at it and he likes it. But we are actually going to his friends. So he has a gig. He has a, a two seating early gig from like twelve to five or something at I forget where, um, some country club. Playing piano, which is great. But then when he's done, we're going to a friend's house. But hers isn't starting until 6 30. Um, so we're not cooking anything. And she knows my situation. Sure. She's doing a big turkey, but she's making a piece of salmon for me because I don't eat turkey
2: oh uh, okay I was gonna say but
1: it'll be fun we've gone to her house before the my Thanksgiving salmon <laughs> yeah salmon I love it I mean so it's great and you know it works out great I love it when he has a gig early enough that he can still come um, you know to a dinner and sit down with friends so. does
2: he usually have gigs on Thanksgiving and there, Christmas the la- yes the last the
1: last gosh Five, six, seven years, I think. He's always had a Thanksgiving gig, playing piano for some restaurant that's serving and Christmas it depends. Yeah, he's had sometimes he's had Christmas Eve, sometimes he's had Christmas not usually Christmas Day, um, but uh Thanksgiving, yeah, he's almost always had a Thanksgiving piano gig. Yeah.
2: Now I'm curious, are you the type of person that has um their Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving or afterwards
1: no you know I'm glad you brought that up first of <laughs> all you know and we talked about this I think I think part of the problem is I mean two things Eric says he thinks it's uh, stores pushing get people to buy stuff buy stuff buy stuff early I think but I think it's more that people are desperate for joy right now oh, yes. people need to be happy and have something to be happy about it's like let's do Christmas early um, but you know we I think I told you we had people with Christmas lights on their house before uh, before Halloween which I think is a little too early um, <laughs> but uh, no I have the only thing I have I have fall stuff up I have a fall wreath on the door but I did go out we have two really cool cowboy boots that are like outdoor vases pots you put plants in in the front yard and we have fake flowers in there so i just switched them we had some yellow ones and i got some red and and holly and pine cones some of the christmasy stuff in the boots in the front yard that's it that's the only christmas <laughs> thing i have up yet i am not doing anything else after thanksgiving
2: we like to have most of it's because i i grew up in a mexican household and so for mm-hmm. us like we didn't celebrate thanksgiving until i was about six years old or seven mm-hmm. or eight actually so my mom had never celebrated thanksgiving mm-hmm. because for us it's because they because i have immigrant parents i was born here but my parents you know they came to the united states and so for them it was kind of like oh it's that holiday that was everyone, it really yeah their thing yeah. yeah it's like that holiday that everyone else celebrates but we're just mm-hmm. sitting here watching tv and because in mexico like christmas because the rest of the world christmas is actually like the big holiday mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It isn't like the three big holidays It's the big holiday yeah. And so for them um, Christmas was really wonderful and special for them And in Mexican culture we get like two Christmases almost We get I would even argue like four maybe Because we get Christmas Eve where Most of the stuff happens And then Christmas Day is like the relaxing day yeah. And then January 6th and 7th are like Christmas Christmas the other Christmas where you leave your shoe out for... Wait, no, what is it called? Does it have a, a name? The, the other was Reyes, like King of the, uh, Day of the Kings. Okay. The Three right. Kings. Okay. Those, day, those days you mostly leave your shoes out, and I think the idea is that the three kings bring you like gifts. So they put
1: little things in your
2: shoes? I believe so. Yeah, sometimes. okay. It's kind of
1: like this hanging the stockings on the fireplace. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Kind of like it's yeah. almost like that, but it's weird because the shoe thing I never had to do. But in my household, like Christmas, we tend to put our Christmas stuff early because it's always been our mindset. But we don't do it during Halloween or before yeah. Halloween. We do it in the middle of November. So like this week, we barely put up the tree. Because we have a lot of decorations up, so Mm -hmm. we're one of those people that we like to have the decorations up for as much work as it takes to put them up for a long time. You might as well enjoy. Now, do you have a real tree or a fake tree? We do fake trees because the real tree. My mother always she said (laughs) it's gonna be silly. She said she feels bad throwing it away. Um. That's how she said. Like she feels like. She feels like she's hurting it by throwing it away. And I'm like, oh, mom, but it's just a tree. She's like, I know, but I feel bad seeing it in the trash. And well, I'm like,
1: I, I can, yeah, and there's a little letdown after Christmas. But I just, I just love real trees. I mean, uh, you know, we had, as a kid, we had, uh, we've occasionally had real trees, but we had fake trees a lot. And I just got tired of it. I didn't, I just didn't like it. Um, so I love getting real trees. But we I never get it to, try, try to get it like around December 1st beginning of December never get it before that
2: yeah. you know, I was going to say that for me like the real tree the, I think another reason why we don't have one is because of the fire safety thing because we do put a lot of lights on our fake tree so mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out like what exa- what do you do to keep your tree safe like I've never I've never met anyone with a real tree really like but well, like how do you make sure that doesn't spark on fire because well, I hear about it all the time well
1: first of all well you you never leave the lights on when you're not there yeah. You always turn them off before you go to bed. Um, you make sure that the tree uh, is well watered. You have to make sure, you put, not just for that, but also because the, the needles fall off. You have to make sure you keep a lot of water in the bottom. And um, th- two different schools of thought. Some people say put a little bleach in the tray with the water that keeps your f- tree fresh longer. Some of, the, some of the, I think I heard sugar, but I think I heard bleach, just a tad of it. But you, you got to make sure you got lots and lots and lots of water in the uh, little tray thing that you stick the tree in and don't leave the lights on um when you're gone and good turn them off when you go to bed i've never had a problem
2: okay that's what i was wondering because like i've always heard a lot of like tree psas but i do i think it's one of those problems where i don't want to undermine it because i'm sure people's houses have burned down but it's one of those like maybe 10 people have had that happen to them once a year but i'd like to but
1: but see i would like to find out the backstory though You know, uh, did they leave them on for, you know, 10 days in a row and never turn them off? Were they gone? I mean, there there had to be another reason because there's millions and millions of people who have real trees and never have that problem. So something, what happened in that specific
2: instance? Oh, yeah. And and I'm trying to think about, because it's weird because I think the PSAs are meant to handle those situations because I've heard of people who like maybe – do leave their tree on overnight, and I can see how that's a real problem. No, that's no, don't do that. Oh, when you go to bed, when everyone in the house goes to bed, you turn unplug them. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the a loop, the fake trees I love the fake trees just because of the fact that I don't have to worry about that. Because you, mm-hmm. we, we love to leave it on overnight on cr- Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. Christmas Day, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where you also try to be very mindful of the fact that it's a fake tree but still like it's not wise to leave everything overnight no, no.
1: and I, I mean i'm somebody who i love christmas and i love it and i will you know leave the that's the very last thing i do before i go to bed is turn off the tree very last thing because i like to leave it. <laughs> and when i get up in the morning and i'm having coffee i put it back on so you know i like it having it on uh, but just not while everybody's have been sleeping yeah
2: and do you get a big tree or a small tree big I mean, big you know, I, yeah because we
1: have we have high pretty high ceilings in our living room so you know high enough that uh I mean you don't you don't want it touching the ceiling because you want to put the star on and all that stuff but pretty high I like it because we
2: have a high ceilings in the living room so it looks better and for us we also have like our our reefs like the the thing you put on the door and mm-hmm. all that we we try to have as many lights as possible and we just have like some inside home decorations but and we even bought I'll have to show you the picture in just a moment yeah. but i ha- we even bought a um Santa Claus outfit for our cat and our cat clearly does not like wearing it. I
1: was just going to say I can't imagine any cat that's going to want to wear that. You know what else I think we're going to do this year? We decide because we have above our we have kind of a Spanish style house in Cathedral City and above the garage there's this big space you know uh, goes up to the roof that would be perfect for a really big wreath I mean like four feet so I think we're gonna make one we googled how to get some like wire and then get to and make a really big wreath that goes up on the wall on top of the garage oh that's awesome above the garage
2: yeah you know and also I think that You know, people kind of short sell this, but like Christmas in the desert, there's like this feeling, like the wind just hits right and all that. Like, I don't know, because like I know that people have this idea of like the snowy Christmas and all that, but I don't know. There's something kind of nostalgic about like the desert Christmas. Yeah, Christmas.
1: I mean, Christmas in I I I do like it though when it's a little bit cool.
2: Oh yeah, certainly. Got to be
1: cool. I mean, like 60s or 70s with a little breeze. It gives you a little more feeling of Christmas than if it's 80. You oh, yeah. know, it's it's a little harder to feel <laughs> Christmasy <even laughs> when it's eighty, and then but hopefully it's nice if you look up on the mountains and maybe there's a little snow in the
2: mountains. Oh yeah, that's Cer- nice too. Certainly, and I was also going to ask you, like, what do you do with your Thanksgiving leftovers? I'm curious. Um, do you make sandwiches and all that?
1: Well, I don't. I don't eat turkey, but yeah, Eric does. Eric has. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the rest, I love the I love mashed potatoes and dressing, green bean salad. All of, all the rest of it, I like.
2: So I was going to say, what what do you think is the most overrated? The dish, other than the turkey. Wow. That's tough. You know, I would have
1: to say it, it has to be uh, done correctly. If you do, I mean, some people do sweet potatoes or yams or whatever. If they're done correctly, like with brown sugar, great. But sometimes it doesn't, that's not, it
2: doesn't come uh, out really, very well. The potato casserole? The sweet,
1: S- sweet, sweet potatoes casserole. or yams or whatever. Some people just do, you
2: know, sweet potatoes. But if you do like brown sugar and that kind of thing, but I've had them where it wasn't very good. So. <laughs> i forgot what it was but i went to this one thanksgiving but i had this i forgot what it was i remembered earlier and it was like this like recipe that someone had brought and it just was like people have this on thanksgiving i've never heard it what was it? it i'm trying to remember what it was but it was like um like i'm trying to remember what it was like spinach uh not cream sp- spinach or something p- like that cream spinach or something like that yeah. i don't know what it was but it was like spinach puffs or something like that and i just thought nobody has this on thanksgiving i've never heard well
1: of you anything. know but it's i mean it's always fun to mix it up
2: <laughs> i don't mind trying something new That's occasionally true. but um and anyway all right
1: well we've talked about christmas and thanksgiving all right we're going to come back and have some entertainment news we've got some great guests a little bit later we'll have much more on the desert scene in just a bit
0: Desert scene on Radio 111. Cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G. and Brian Mendoza.
2: All
1: right, we're back with more on the desert scene. So we got lots
2: of entertainment news. What's going on? So I think we finally have an update for Rust. I know that we talked about it a couple weeks ago for two weeks, but. They finally got some updates about what's going on with it. They're actually getting sued finally. Mm-hmm. So Alec Baldwin and the director and the assistant director are the subject of a two lawsuits. One by a crew member and one by Mamie Mitchell, the woman who was the script supervisor mm-hmm. and was the woman who called 911. Right. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of like, let's just say in general discussion about what's going on. And, and even I've, I've seen, from my understanding, the news kind of take the statement that maybe Richard Mitchell was saying, which was that he intentionally shot it. I, I do want to clarify that I don't think she said it in the sense that, oh, he hated Halena no, 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 and and no, he shot no, her. No, 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 But certainly meant it as more or less like he it wasn't an accident. Wasn't an
1: accident. Now, I think she's the one I think, if I'm not mistaken, who said it was not in the script that there there was nothing in the script saying he should point the gun and shoot at that point
2: yeah and i was under the impression and i think that that's what she was saying too is because she's a script supervisor Mm -hmm. so she's obviously she knew yeah and i think that there is something to be said there because that because it makes it into one of those things where like you don't how do i put it this way like i'm trying to figure out how to say it but like you don't it's you don't do that unless you're being told to do it and also because of the fact that like it could have been prevented even further it just makes yeah. this whole thing even worse by the fact that it's a preventable tragedy and also on so many levels
1: and and um and uh, I somebody was saying I think it was George Clooney somebody said that Alec Baldwin ultimately had uh, the he really had the responsibility there were all these checkpoints along the way that even if you're handed as an actor if you're handed a gun and someone says it's quote unquote cold it's still your responsibility to double check it before you
2: fire it. No certainly and it's also one of those things where like I've I've seen a lot of discourse about this where somebody said you know banning guns on set isn't exactly going to like fix it but it's also one of those things where it's like you know but what can you do because like I mean it's clear that the system itself needs to be fixed on a lot of levels and I also think that rust at this point is not gonna get finished good
1: and it shouldn't I don't think it should
2: No, that's my opinion and also I just I just think it's one of those things where, like there's so much going on with this film in the sense that it's just I think they're gonna get sued so much and legal fees and all that that there's no way they can afford the budget for that film anymore no, no. and especially considering that it was a low budget film and and I was thinking about this the other day like rust you know if anything needs to be I think all the footage should just be preserved and put somewhere else and they need and what they need to do is just try to like figure out what's happened and use this as a lesson. A, a learning learned. experience for it not to happen again.
1: Yeah, and uh, as far as not having guns on set, we've talked about this. There are a lot of I've read and heard a lot of productions, TV movies, that they don't. They do the CG, the computer generated thing, and it's just fine.
2: Oh yeah, you know. And I think that I've seen a couple shows like Nine One One that are starting to use like CGI and all that, mm-hmm. and. I think there is something to be said about the fact that we have that type of special effects now but it is a bit of a shame that you know somebody had to die in order for that to happen but it, it is one of those things where like I think that there's gonna be way more lawsuits now and mm-hmm. also it also ties into another situation with Astroworld how there is now a two billion dollar lawsuit on Astroworld mm-hmm. for those of you who don't remember Astro tragedy was the fact that Travis Scott and Drake were performing and there was a whole there this big venue a bunch of people was got over, crushed. Was
1: over first of all I mean well you tell me because you know a little more uh, my from what I've know it sounded like number one there were too many people jammed in there to start with and mm-hmm. Uh, number two apparently the security wasn't what it should have been there weren't people enough people kind of monitoring situations and number three that whatever his name is the rapper um, either w- was not aware of it should should have been scanning the crowd more or if he was did nothing to st- stop and say hey we need to check this out as other performers have done and oh, yeah. it
2: saved people and also and and i think that there's no way that astroworld by any means could survive after this like because it's just one of those situations where i wouldn't go there i can't imagine because yeah. the reputation... if it isn't going to be destroyed by the Law lawsuit suits. it's going to the reputation alone yeah. and i feel it's one of those things where like the film for the film rust its reputation going to yeah. be destroyed i wouldn't see it i wouldn't see I, I w- it i yeah. i wouldn't see rust yeah. because at this point I would just feel like there would be no way of like honoring someone watching that film. Like it isn't like like The Crow where Brandon Lee really wanted to have that movie shown and I and her and his family, you know, was very expressive that he would have wanted that mm-hmm. film shown mm-hmm. regardless. Mm-hmm. This was a case of like Helena Hodgkins where I don't know because I feel like there's it sort of feels different this time yeah it, it really does and I just think it would just be creepy and I uh, I
1: I don't think it would honor her
2: to have yeah. it shown and completed and also and as for World, where well, you know that's you know, I'm never going to go because first of all I can't afford it and second I don't I, don't I wouldn't want to be there it would feel creepy if to he, me oh yes you know? certainly alright we're going to be back with our first
1: guest Denise Strand who's a wonderful actress and she's in a, a great show um, uh, This Side of Crazy at Palm Canyon Theatre we'll be back with her in just a bit on the desert scene
0: and brian continue with the desert scene on radio 111 here they are
1: and we're back on the desert scene on radio 111 and we're now joined by wonderful actress denise strand who is starring in a uh, really fun show this side of crazy at the palm canyon theater hi denise how are you
4: Hi, Bonnie. Thank, thank
1: thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. So I'm, um, I'm hearing that this is a big, big hit. Well, with this cast, I mean it's you, Yo Younger, Melanie Blue, and Deborah Harmon. You can't go wrong with that. So how much fun are you guys having?
4: Oh my goodness. We're just we're almost in tears just realizing the show's gonna be over tomorrow. So Yes, we're all already very emotional. <laughs> so
1: is it just, was just four days? Was it just a Thursday, Friday, tonight, and tomorrow? Is that the, all, yeah. the whole run? Why did they decide to have such a short run?
4: Well, when Pumpkin in Theater does their uh, classic series, and they only do a couple of years, um they're they're only four day runs, and then the rest of the season they do their musicals because they're just such a big draw, yeah, and their musicals are two to three weeks, wow, so that's the way it's been just over the last couple of years, yeah, that they've just done the four day run, so yeah. I know, yeah. Okay, So
1: it's uh, you, if you want to catch it, it's tonight at 8 p.m., tomorrow, 2 p.m., you got to catch it. So tell us about this. This is Adele Shores, and Adele Shores, um, had, I know Palm Canyon's done a lot of uh, his stuff. He wrote, let's, he's from Winters, Texas, wrote Sorted Lives, Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, and Southern Baptist Sissies, as well as this one. So tell us a little bit about the story of the play.
4: Well, This Side of Crazy, it's a cast of four, and um, it's about a, Former gospel music star, okay. and she 's trying to reunite her three grown daughters for one last performance
3: mm.
4: and uh, the gospel uh, gospel music is giving her this big fifty year uh tribute, so she 's trying to bring the family together. So, um, there's only one daughter, the oldest daughter, Rachel, that your younger plays. Mm -hmm. And she's the only daughter left at home. And she's been living with Mama. We all call her Mama, but her name is Diddy Blaylock. Okay. And she still lives at home. And then, um,. My character, Abigail, I'm the middle sister, and I'm in a mental institution for attempted murder. And that all all comes out in the story of, you know, why that happened. And then the baby is Bethany, played by Melanie Blue, and she runs off, and she's been a stripper for 20 years, and so (laughs) we all have our own kind of dysfunction. It's a very funny, dysfunctional... Mm -hmm family comedy and there's 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 tears but there's yeah. mainly laughter
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and richard marlowe's is your director so tell us about yes. how the how the you ladies and richard how, how that process was so it, has, it was it it been really fun working with him
4: oh my gosh i had never worked with richard before didn't even know him
1: mm-hmm.
3: the
4: other three actresses have worked with him um Uh, actually i believe on the stage because richard is also an actor Mm -hmm. and but as far as a director oh my gosh he is a love he is really really something i just think he's just fantastic what a joy real real joy to work with him
1: and tell us tell us for people who aren't actors what what about a director makes you say that
4: well, number one, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's very patient mm-hmm. and that's hard because you have it set in your mind as a director of how you want things to go, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of time schedule you want to be on and so when he's dealing with four women, he has to be he has to be a little more patient we <laughs> we kind of get together and then he's trying to direct, and then we're we're talking, and he's like you know, trying to get us like, okay, back to where he's thinking and we have our own thoughts and it, it can get very, very chaotic. Yeah. But the man has the patience of Job, I'm telling you, and just a loving, loving man. And, lo- and we're very, you know, he treats us um, very special mm-hmm. and he treats each one of us like we're very, very important.
3: Well, and that's
4: so great. And just all around, he's just wonderful to work for. Mm-hmm. And that's important as an actress. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You, you have to like who you're working for, <laughs>
1: right? Exactly, or it gets kind of weird. Now, I know, I know you've worked with Yo before. Had you worked with Melanie and
4: uh, Deborah before on stage? No, I had. I did not know Melanie, mm-hmm. so. Uh, we have developed a fabulous friendship, mm-hmm. and um, and I knew Deborah, uh, but I had never worked with her, mm-hmm. and so we were both. I mean, knowing that we were cast in this show, we were both looking forward to working yeah. with each other because I know her work, yeah. and she knew my work, yeah. and so yeah, so it was a great and yes, Yo and I are like yeah, um, you know yeah, it well, was
1: fabulous, was, yeah. So so. T- Tell us, is there anything when you have a Del Shores play? I mean, he has his own kind of um, uh, oh, yeah. trademarks. What, what, what are the challenges specifically about doing a Del Shores play?
4: Oh, my goodness. There are so many aspects to each of his characters. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as an actor, you really want to uh, do right by the character and it's not it's not easy. you've gotta really, really study that mm-hmm. character in order to portray her or him the way that Dale wrote that character and um yeah, and there's Dell's known for uh his dialogue mm-hmm. it, his plays are extremely wordy. Yeah. So to try to memorize all of that and then to stay in character and keep it going and try to touch every aspect of what that character is supposed to portray, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's some work, but it's good work. I love, mm. love, love Del Shores. Yes, and I've done every one of his plays at that uh, Palm Canyon has pro- yeah. produced.
1: And I think I saw on, uh, on Facebook he he stopped by a rehearsal, did he not? At some point, he
4: did. yeah, he, did. he came and visited us in case you know in case we had any questions about our character, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so that was that was great. And then he came Thursday to our opening night. Mm-hmm. Now that wasn't a little unsettling, yeah, and right the audience watching you yeah. portraying. His people. It was like, oh my gosh, it was nerve wracking. But he was lovely. He loved it. And then we did a Q and A after the show, and mm-hmm. quite a few of the audience stayed. Yeah. So um, it was. Oh, it oh was that's
1: great. Fun. So just a little bit about you. So um, uh, when did you come to the desert? Did you start acting as a kid? Tell us a little bit about you and your your background in theater.
4: Oh yes, I started acting. I was five years old when I did my first play. Uh, and so, yes, I have just kind of, you know, high school, a little bit in college. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until maybe, you know, several years I, I married and had a family and stepped away from the stage, but oh my goodness, when I stepped back on stage, that was when I knew that I was home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I came to the desert, uh, 2006. So I've been with Palm Canyon theater for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Where where did you move from?
4: Oh, I'm a Southern California girl. Okay. I was just never in Palm Springs. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, oh, Brian has a question for you. Oh, yeah. I, every once in a while I pop in with a question, mm-hmm. but I was going to say, like, I wanted to ask you, because I know you said that you've had a few acting roles when you were younger, but then when, it, when you came back after a couple years of not being a performer, that it really struck you, what is the first performance that you felt you really like dove right in and gave your signature to? Like, what is the first performance that you can truly say was like, like finally you felt connected. Yeah. You felt connected with it.
4: Oh my goodness. Um, I would probably have to say it was Bill short, um, trials and tribulations of a trailer trash, uh, housewife. Oh, Okay. And that was done about 10 years ago, something like that. Don't, don't quote me on how mm-hmm. long ago. But, oh, my gosh, I loved, loved, loved that character. Um, that was my second Bill Shores um, show. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first show that I ever did uh, for Palm Canyon Theater was um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I played Nurse Ratched. Oh wow! And, that, and I had done Cuckoo's Nest. Um, that was my third time I had done that show.
3: Mm-hmm. So
4: the third time was obviously at Palm Canyon Theater. So to play, to finally play Nurse Ratched was oh my gosh, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But um, I do love comedy. That's probably my one of my favorite things to do. So when I was introduced to Delt Shores, oh I gobbled it up, and yeah. I love. I love every minute of it.
1: Would you have, I always like to act, ask actors on your bucket list, is there a show or a particular role that you'd love to do that you haven't done yet?
4: Well, yes, probably, but I'm probably, i but I wouldn't be able to do it now. I, I, I'm talking twenty 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 five 20, 25 years ago that um, I would have loved to have done Extremities.
3: Mm, okay. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to do that now. It's it's set for, you know, probably a 30-year-old.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, then yeah. there must be something. I'm, I'm guessing that something's going to pop up for it. Because luckily these days, especially in theater, there, there are more interesting roles for uh, we more mature women, I think, these days than maybe there used to be. Um, but let me get this in, though. We're, we're again, if you want to see the show, This Side of Crazy at the Palm Canyon Theater, tonight, 8 p.m., tomorrow, 2 p.m., your last chances. Tickets, 15 to $30. You can go to palmcanyontheater.net. Again, this is Adele Shores show with Yo Younger, Melanie Blue, Deborah Harmon and of course Denise Strand who we're talking to here, directed by Richard Marlowe. Um, it sounds like it got a big hit. Um, congratulations. I, yeah, I wish it was more than one weekend, you know.
4: Oh me too. Me too. But yes, don't don't miss it, everybody. I'm telling you, it is it's quite the show.
1: <laughs> and and Denise, I'd like to ask you, I ask this of both singers and actors, do you have, before a show, before a performance, do you have any sort of rituals that you go through, certain prayers, meditations, the lucky socks, or anything like that? I'm always am curious about that.
4: <laughs> oh, I personally don't. There, there's things that I used to do for years uh, that I would drop, you know, that I don't do, you know, right now. Um, I used to, yes. It was very important to listen to certain music, but it was based on the character. Mm. So, whatever I thought my character needed, so I would listen to that very loud on the way to the theater. Okay. And I used to carry a handkerchief. And uh, no matter what my character was, if the character used the handkerchief, ooh, that was even better. Mm -hmm. But if it didn't, I would have it with me, I would have it in a pocket or you know, on my person. And so I didn't do that this year. Um the uh Diddy Blaylock, Deborah Harmon, she carries the handkerchief. Oh, okay. So I feel like she's doing that
1: in your business. honor, sorta, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well Denise Strand
1: thank you so much for being here congratulations on this show again go see it tonight tonight 8pm tomorrow 2pm Palm Canyon Theater this side of crazy four really great actresses um, break a leg I know it's going to be a great show thank you so much for being here really appreciate it thank you
4: Bonnie it's been a pleasure
1: to be with you alright have a great day alright that's Denise Strand check it out Palm Canyon Theater we'll be back with more on the desert scene in just a bit
0: From musical theater to literature and all the other stuff we enjoy in between, making desert life so vibrant. You're listening to Bonnie G. and Brian Mendoza and The Desert Scene on Radio 111. Here's Bonnie and Brian.
2: Selma Hyde got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and she recounted a story, of very troubling This is one. so bizarre. So what happened was before she became... The person that she is yeah. today, like the very famous Salma Hayek, two years after she had left Mexico and came to the United States, she recalled coming to Hollywood Boulevard and getting attacked by a man that was just catcalling her. So a long time ago, like this man, she ignored him at first because you know that's one of those things where, unfortunately, in Hollywood, it happens. It happens where yeah. you know, sadly, there's so many people in Hollywood that you sometimes have to kind of ignore. I feel bad whenever I see, like, a homeless person or somebody. sometimes there are mental health issues. You don't know. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you want to help them out, but you can't help out everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. Because you'll see one person here, and then a few blocks later you'll see someone else there, and sometimes you can't. And so she just kind of walked by him and said, you know, what? I'm just going to ignore him because obviously he's catcalling me. Right. And she claimed that a few moments later that he came at her with a knife and she ran into a store and jumped over the counter with her and her friend. And she grabs a stick to try to protect herself against the man. But eventually she was forced to, like, wrestle him down. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't until two Hell's Angels uh, bikers came in. And and pulled the man off of her And rescued her Wow That is so bizarre It's it's such a bizarre Now was she
1: Did he stab Or was she actually injured In that physically I
2: think she was injured A little bit yeah. But I don't think Yeah not I think a in lot. the end She was saved by that Wow And She had talked about How the Hollywood Walk of Fame Because it's on Hollywood Boulevard She did say That having that star Helped her heal from that mm-hmm. She also talked about how she was always told by studio heads, go back to Mexico and star in telenovelas because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't get a job here with your yeah. accent. Yeah, And she had kept pushing and pushing yeah. to try to be in movies yeah. here in America. And one of the things she remembers was that she was in the movie theater and someone kicked the back of her seat and said, go back to your country. And she talked about how getting the star felt like... A healing, a moment of healing for her, because yeah. she said that she worked really hard to get that star. Yeah, and here's a quote she said when she kept getting told to go back to your country, she said. Um, but I stayed. I stayed, and I want to say that everyone that's here, all my lovely fans, if you ask yourself what gave me the courage to say, I say it was you because although you they didn't know me here in Hollywood, the studios, all the Latins that are in the United States knew who I was. They understood that I came here with dreams like they did mm-hmm and so you know she she has had a pretty great career she was mm-hmm. Oscar nominated as Frida and I even think she should have won for that movie because I don't know I just think she did a really good job in that movie mm-hmm. and one of the most uh, controversial things about that particular um, movie was not so much that um, her performance or anything—it's just that it was one of those things where, um, the behind-the-scenes, like Harvey Weinstein. And I heard, that, yeah, yeah, he was
1: saying, "You're lo- ugly. Why did I put you in this movie to look ugly? Because you know, Frida had the weird eyebrows. And, oh yeah, yeah." And I'm—I'm I'm sure he uh, sexually harassed her as well. I can't oh, imagine him not,
2: you know. Oh yeah, and also another thing is that like he also—it's just one of those controversial things where like Frida was a great movie, and most people. Had sort of assumed that she would have won Best Actress that year. Who won that year? But that Mm -hmm. specific year was Nicole Kidman for The Hours. Okay. When she played Virginia Woolf. And it was one of those controversial things where Harvey Weinstein was pitting two of his actresses neck and neck together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways he showed a preference for one, whereas he should have campaigned for both. Mm -hmm. It's one of those controversial things. But... In a lot of ways, Selma Hayek's success is just great because I love the fact that she's able to be in comedies and mm-hmm. being able to do all sorts of wonderful things, and I still think her best performance is Frida, but... I, I never saw that one of these days, I have to say. I mean, a couple of things, but that's a bizarre
1: story with a knife. I, mean, I think she's just gorgeous. I mean, she's a very beautiful woman. And what's other, also interesting, obviously she has her own career and her own money, but she's married to a billionaire. A French billionaire with a B. Um, they have a do- one daughter, um, so I'm very happy for. Her, but that's you know, she's got quite the life. <laughs> Congratulations, to her. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's one of those things where like I'm glad she was able to feel like at ease now with yeah. that star because I feel like when you go through so much, even things like a little star and getting an Oscar and getting yeah. all these awards and all that feels like a healing moment yeah you know, I that, I,
1: that boy that would have freaked me out I don't know
2: how you sleep after that, something like that you'd be scared to walk down the street ever you know and also I, I thought this was story was interesting because it is one of those things where like sadly we forget that like Hollywood Boulevard you know the the place where we have all these stars and all that That it's still sadly a place with a lot of extreme there's still, poverty. yeah there's also it's a it's a mix of those both those things yeah and it's one of those things where like I wish I it's one of those things where like I love the stars and all that but you know I always try to remember not to like ignore the fact that you know underneath all that glamour there's still something tragedy and poverty and, and people that. having a hard time yeah yeah. and even yeah. with Selma Hayek with her successes we still have to remember that all the sacrifices she made to get there right
1: alright we're coming back with a second hour of the desert scene with my friend um Janice Fryett, who's playing bass with a new band up in Big Bear. We'll talk to her in just a bit on the desert scene.
0: From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents Bonnie G. and Brian Mendoza with The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie and Brian.
1: And we're back on the desert scene, and we now are welcoming a a good buddy of mine I haven't talked to in a while, Janice Fryett, who I know as an actress and singer, and she's a karaoke queen, but I did not know that she played bass, and she's now playing bass in a band, band called Dragon Wolf. Hi, Janice, how are you? Oh, good, thanks. How are you doing, Bonnie? Good, good, good. So I was just so surprised the first time I saw the Facebook post, and there you are playing bass in this band. So tell me about that. So I guess you you did play a long time ago when you were younger and then kind of stopped. Is that what happened?
5: Yeah, but you know, I can't even say completely that I played. I took a couple of lessons. I practiced a little bit on my own. I had... Uh, Two or three times I got to play with a couple of other musicians, but that really was it. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was 19.
1: Okay. Okay. So what made you decide to pick it up again?
5: Well, as you mentioned, I am a bit of a karaoke person. Mm -hmm. And so I got to know the karaoke crowd around here in Big Bear. And um, the KJ, karaoke jockey up here, uh, Pat Young became a good friend of mine, and one day we were just sitting around and he said, "Oh yeah, I, I really want to get my band together. you know He had been in bands many times throughout mm-hmm. his life, um, and I said, "Oh, I don't know what, off the top of my head I, I just said, Ah, to you know to that I don't have my bass anymore i I'd join you and you go, Oh." He just immediately said, "Oh, get a bass! You're in my band." <laughs> you know? Wow! So it was, it was like, uh, okay, you don't know at all <laughs> if I can play, but you have faith in me, so just that alone
1: makes me want to go out
5: and get the bass.
1: So, so you did. So, were you? I mean, were you intimidated? Now, did you take lessons again, or how did you? How did you get your chops back up?
5: Well, uh, this is what's funny. We it was right before when I got my bass. It was right before a snowstorm. So I was kind of snowed in a little bit up here mm-hmm. and I I just started playing around with it and Pat gave me a few songs to learn mm-hmm. and I just found that for for whatever reason I I think it's really because I I just I'm a different person now than I was when I was 19. I'm mm-hmm. 58 now and I've done a lot of meditating and mm-hmm. I don't I don't criticize and edit myself the way I used to. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah I just started I just started do learning the songs mm-hmm. and uh when i couldn't do it right away i didn't get all frustrated the way that i did when i was 19 yeah and put my guitar down i just kept at it and kept at it and i really found that it was easier mm-hmm. it's actually easier now than than it was when i was younger so yeah i just it it, it came i was like a duck to water yeah I, it was amazing it shocked me <laughs> yeah
1: that's so great so, okay how many people are in the band total uh five okay and what what kind of music would uh, do you guys play
5: it's very eclectic mix uh we do we love rock we all love rock mm-hmm. um In general, but we do play some country. Uh, The members in the a couple of the members in the band, have been in tribute bands. So, one of them was in a um, is in a Scorpions tribute band, and another one was in a Leonard Skinner uh, tribute band. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of all the variety. One of our most popular songs, believe it or not, is um, is uh, oh gosh, what's it? That Led Zeppelin song. no no see now i'm it's, i'm losing <laughs> the name <laughs> oh i can't we'll have to come back to that but okay i mean these are songs basically that most bands don't really do you know okay.
1: we, we just like to do what we like to do okay and i'm so i saw something uh because i'm i've only been to big bear once so i'm not that familiar with that now i know there's a place called the cave that mm-hmm. you guys perform are there are there a number of venues up there that you guys perform at yeah, a
5: couple right now. We we're playing mostly uh right now at Big Bear Bar and Grill. Okay. Um, but but yeah, we we plan to start playing at the cave again soon.
1: Now do you do uh do uh backup vocals as well? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, that
5: comes with it, that comes with all that karaoke. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so when when was how long ago was your was your first performance? How long have you been playing with them?
5: Oh gosh! I think our our first performance, very first performance, was in the beginning, probably in July, I think.
3: Okay. Yeah,
5: but but we had been playing for a, not the the all the members of the band, but some version of the band had been playing for about a year and a half. Okay. Just you know practicing.
1: Right. And now, are you the only woman in the band? Is it all guys? Yes. And so, how does the, how's that dynamic? Do you like that, or I mean, you know, I don't know. I like it. I like it. But I got to
5: say, those guys, especially, the, you know, all of them have been in bands before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the big newbie. Okay. Uh, and they have the stamina of rockers. That, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm having to try to build up my stamina. So I, I like it a lot. I li- they've been so nice to me, so kind. And I'm just, uh, my favorite thing about the whole thing is that I get to play with such amazing musicians. They're very, very accomplished.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, that's great. What Now, was your husband surprised that you took your life turn, that took this turn? <laughs> um, yeah, kind of. He,
5: he knew, he knows me, though. Yeah. I mean, I've done so many crazy different things in my life. Uh, I don't think anything surprises him anymore. Yeah.
1: So so tell me about uh, life in Big Ben. You've been up there for how long now when, since that you moved up there? nine years wow and i know you have some land and you have chickens and some other stuff and i mean do you like grow all your own vegetables and that kind of thing too i try
5: to yeah i'm really big into like kind of self-sufficient living and homesteading so Mm
1: -hmm.
5: yeah that's that's it's a goal of mine but it hasn't been that easy up here We've, we've kind of been plagued by gophers
1: oh okay
5: so, but but my vegetable garden does pretty well. We've been able to go for proof that, and I've got about eleven chickens, and so we get a good amount of eggs every day.
1: Yeah, and so what what what's what was the biggest adjustment when you moved up there from from the desert?
5: Hmm. Um. Maybe the cold. You know, yeah. I wasn't used to the. But but to be honest, it came in a part of my life where I was totally done with the heat. So uh-huh. I I didn't mind it. We we heat our house with a wood stove completely. So okay. Uh, every day when it's cold, you know, we 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 get we have a whole several cords of wood here Mm -hmm. and I have to light the fire every day but you know i these are things I love I don't mind them at all
1: yeah now is there are you is your husband still still doing the 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 business the um events business at all from from up there no
5: well as you can imagine that kind of
1: dried uh, up with COVID yeah
5: yeah downward turn so yeah he's moving on um you know he's basically uh retired at the moment but um you know he's doing a lot of uh, kind of investing kinds of things. He's very accomplished when it comes to that.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's great. And now what about, so before you got into the base thing, were you do were you doing, I don't know if there's much theater up there in Big Bear. Were you mostly doing, now you taught yoga for a while. Are you still doing that?
5: No, no, I taught yoga for three years up here. Um, but no, I, I kind of took a break from theater and mm-hmm. kind of basically, Karaoke kind of filled that for me. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I go to karaoke, or I used to go to karaoke two two times a week. Now it's like once a week. The band's taking up a lot of my energy. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
5: great, great people. Wonderful friends. Love it.
1: And so how how often do you guys play on average? Like once a week, twice a week, or?
5: At this moment, it's um, every couple of weeks. Okay. Um, again, I'm trying to build up my stamina. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. <ya.
6: laughs> Yeah. 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 You know
1: what that's. Like. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where you know I know I have some friends that do you know like three hours they sing the tracks for three hours and it's just them and I'm like I don't I'm I i do not think my voice could 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 oh, handle wow. that anymore yeah. you know
5: exactly so, you know thank God I don't I'm not the lead vocalist yeah. on this Pat's amazing I don't know how he does it but you know we're ba- our set three hours our, yeah our, we have um three sets of one hour each and mm-hmm. we're working on a fourth mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know i love to learn new songs it's wonderful that way but just standing up there for all that time like yeah. kind of yeah, yeah
1: tiring <laughs> yeah now do you does do does every member of the band um uh contribute ideas for new songs and as i mean does everyone have sort of equal uh con- contribution power if you will
5: yeah, I would say so, absolutely. I, I would say, though, you know, much of it really kind of depends on what Pat can sing, but the amazing right. thing is that guy is probably the most versatile singer I've ever met. Mm-hmm. So he can do just about anything. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, but we all have equal input. It's been really, really nice, especially for a newbie like me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they've been, and like you said, they've been very encouraging and supportive of you uh, from day absolutely. one. That's nice. Yeah yeah. yeah, That's, yeah. So are, now do you feel And I don't know what kind of musical Lessons or anything are in Big Bear Would you want to go back and take lessons again Or is there, are you just kind of better just to learn on the job Kind of thing
5: You know I I, I, I wouldn't mind getting a few tips But I gotta say I mean I, I it just came so easy My, I have a good ear mm-hmm. And there hasn't been one song that I've tried to do That I haven't been able to master And I've tried right off the bat I tried doing tough songs mm mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even if it's tough at the beginning, my, my mom was a concert pianist.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: So one, one gift that she gave me was whenever, cause I always wanted to learn the hard songs when I was a kid yeah. and, and when my fingers wouldn't do what I wanted them to do you know she taught me to just okay you need to repeat it go slow do it over and over and eventually you're going to get faster and faster and faster and and that's pretty much what I do I don't I don't read music and again I have to be thankful for the band members because they're so patient with me but yeah it's it's by ear and I I just you know practice a lot that's it
1: good for you so does your does your husband come see the band often
5: uh, yeah, he does. He does. He's been a good, good supporter. He's my groupie. <laughs> yeah.
1: And now tell me about uh, your kids. Your daughter's married. Uh, now, she, she's still in the area? No, she's in, she lives in
5: Joshua Tree with her husband. He okay. was a shaman. Okay. And, um, but they're looking to make a move to Austin and we're actually very strongly considering following them.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And how about yeah. your son?
1: Is he, is he musical theatrical at all?
5: He was always extremely musical. Um, he he's uh, a guitarist. He plays all kinds of things, and he com- he composes his own stuff too. But that's not. Right now he's living in Kentucky with his girlfriend, and um, he he has a uh, I I, he'd get mad at me if I got it wrong, but it's a computer type job. Okay, <laughs> that okay. He has right okay, now.
1: okay. And so you know what I, lo- I just I was so happy to hear the story because one thing I love hearing is women in particular who you know we're all you know over fifty, over fifty five, getting up there, but who who are not only still creative and strong but finding new things i love yes. hearing about people that find new creative outlets or or pick up something from years ago or just find something brand new that they never knew they wanted to do and just running with it i mean i just think it's so i just think there's something about women as we get older where i don't know if we just feel freer to do it and i, I don't uh, it's not always just because the kids have grown up and left because i i don't have children i know some other women my age who don't have children there's just something about this age that becomes it becomes free freeing do do you feel yeah. that? Have you felt that? Oh, completely.
5: And again, like I, I can learn things on bass. Just was easier for me at 58 than it was when I was 19. Mm-hmm. That should tell you a lot. Yeah, I, It tells me that I was getting in my way from the yeah. very beginning because of the stuff that was going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And, and I've worked on that stuff. That's yeah. I've, I've worked a lot on it. So yeah. I think that's really the reason why I can do what I can do now when I couldn't when I was 19.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Dragon Wolf, D-R-A-G-O-N-W-O-L-F-E. Do you guys have a yeah. website that people could check out where you're going to be and that kind of stuff? We don't have a website. We have a Facebook page it's called dragon dragon wolf and friends okay super well janice fry congratulations i'm just so thrilled and excited to hear that you're doing this new venture and it sounds like it's going uh, gangbuster so um but continued success great to talk to you
5: wonderful to talk to you bonnie thank you so much
1: all right have a great day janice fry at dragon wolf all right we'll be back with more on the desert scene in just a bit
0: likes to read. She likes to sing and act. They both love the Coachella Valley. And they love talking about the desert scene with you on Radio 111. Here's Bonnie G. and Brian Mendoza.
1: And we're back. I just have to say something. I like, I love our little bumpers in between. But I also have to say, I uh, I also like to read, and I think you also like to act. So you know, I think
2: we're all we're kind of well-rounded. But, <laughs> I was gonna say know. like I like to watch movies too. There's yeah. plenty of stuff. Yeah, we that do. I like.
1: we, we all do all of it.
2: So. <laughs> oh lord! I mean, it's a cute bumper, but yeah, I say it is cute. Say, it's yeah, cute. it's not
1: like I don't read. Come on, come okay. on.
2: Okay. So what do you got, Brian? So I showed Bonnie earlier this Pride Nutcracker from Target. It is so
1: cute. It's adorable. You got you got to go online and find this. It's it's a, a nutcracker, you know, the Christmas nutcracker thing, but he's got a pride flag
2: and it's adorable. Oh yeah, and so what happened was that it is one sold out item. So basically a couple of days ago, I think yesterday or something, they introduced this thing and it went on TikTok, which is this like app that everything just goes viral on and Mm -hmm. there have been over like five hundred thousand views on certain videos and there have been millions of views and people have been going out into stores and buying these and sell and they've been selling out because well the LGBT community and the young communities just want to. I think buy it's that. great. I think it's fabulous. And so this little thing, for the most part, you know, I, I some reactions have been really positive. People saying it's beautiful. How, it's, it, how much is it? Does it say? I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Let me look up the price. But it is. I imagine it isn't super expensive. But I, I wouldn't th- think so. But, uh, but from my understanding, like a lot of people love it because it's like. It's actually called the Pride Nutcracker. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it has a nice rainbow little hat. Mm-hmm. And it has like... Rainbow flag. Rainbow flag with the trans symbol on it. Yeah. yeah. And it also has like a blue rainbow-ish, blue, light blue, pink, purple... And like rainbow colors all over itself yeah, it's, so, it's
1: very cute if you know I love it's very you know nice decor and yeah. for
2: those of you in Palm Springs wondering it is out of stock Okay. so it is I'll be, I bet they'll be getting them back in soon uh, yeah. oh yeah they'll be getting them back in soon I remember like some of the reactions were this one person on Twitter saying you know for some reason it's so ridiculous it feels like the greatest pride event in my lifetime, but also I hate crime because I love it. I hate nutcrackers, but I love it. It's like, and there's other person said, you know, I'm going to take this to my grandparents' house and make a statement.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, we hope we hope it's not going to spe- start any family feuds, but, um, but I it think it's cute. great. It yeah. is
2: cute, and I think that that nutcracker design needs some... Re-upping and all right, that, right?
1: And you gotta always gotta modernize things and freshen stuff up every now and then.
2: And also, I think I would. I think from my understanding is that they have like different colored ones. I think they have ones that are like lighter skin and some that are darker skin. So, so it's it's really
1: inclusive. So for, inclusive yes. and all that. And diversity. Love
2: diversity. It. And yeah. it's just a really pretty looking. It, this the design itself is really pretty to look at yeah I've it's just,
1: it's very attractive just as decor even if you weren't even if you took the symbolism out of it it's just very attractive
2: yeah, yeah. and also are you going to get one Bonnie if you see one at the store
1: uh I, I probably will uh, yeah. <laughs> If if nothing else I've got a million friends I could give
2: w- Who would love one. Oh yeah so. Certainly And it's one of those ones That I would love to have it Because my mom would love The way it looks mm-hmm. Like I know she would see The rainbow and all that She's like Oh so what It has a rainbow on it It's cute You yeah. know It's like a cute little it's design It's not like
1: it's Obnoxious In your face uh, You know kind of thing. It's very oh, yeah. it's a very attractive.
2: I've seen some like um like pride things that they have a target that are very I wouldn't say obnoxious but they're like very tacky looking Yeah, like and this tack, is not. This ugh. is not tacky looking at all. Yeah, and it's like and it certainly makes it clear what it looks like, mm-hmm. you know, what it what it's trying to say, but I think it's also like I've seen some cups were like looking. classy looking yeah. and it's pretty. Mm-hmm. And another positive thing in the world is that Sesame Street has finally debuted ji Young its first and I
1: heard now there's uh, some backlash. Somebody yeah. on a right wing Fox yeah. or whatever is all upset. It's like shut up, you know.
2: <laughs> and the CPAC, the um, I think it's a Republican. Yeah, they so said they're
1: not invited. Who cares? Yeah. they don't want to go to CPAC. <laughs> (laughs)
2: And they're also trying to cut funding for it, but it's also like, you know, there's always this joke that every other year somebody wants to cut funding from Sesame Street. It's at this point where Sesame Street just wants to, like, introduce something to the world or brings, they'll bring on something positive and then somebody wants to, like, defund them. And I'm like, you know, if you were going to defund Sesame Street, you should have done it back in the 60s. Yeah, years
1: ago. I mean, and it's like... (sighs) I I, you know sometimes I get speechless about all this. You know what? First of all, don't you have something better to do? Number one, these people that are and what is the world is full of all kinds of different people, which is what makes life interesting. What
2: is the problem? That's what I was going to say. And also, like the the thing is though, is that I think that they created this character sort of like because their mindset was. I think our puppets shouldn't just be like monsters but I think they should represent real people exactly, and all that exactly yeah and because they had a um, black Muppet character the, uh, last year and so they introduced an Asian mm-hmm. character this year mm-hmm. and so they're going out of their way to not only cast like the appropriate actors so like the Muppeteers are like people of color but they mm-hmm. also go out of their way to make sure that kids feel represented with these puppets
1: exactly cuz i mean this is this is about a lot of it's about educating children so we need children to understand the world is full of all kinds of different people and to learn that young so that you know you're not surprised when you get older and go out in the world and say wow everybody's not like me
2: and also another thing is that it really benefits uh, the asian community because Absolutely. of the fact
1: they've been slammed so inside. much the last few
2: years yeah yes. unfairly unfairly and all that yeah. especially during the pandemic so yeah. it's i think this was made as sort of like a response Great timing to that. yep it's good timing and all that but we have a guest coming on
1: yes lois I want to make sure I get her name right. Uh, She's a wonderful singer. She's doing a, a cabaret show here in the desert on the 28th. We'll talk to her in just a moment on the desert scene.
0: And Brian continue with the desert scene on Radio 111. Here they are.
1: And we're back on the desert scene, and we're now joined by Lois Bergon. I want to make sure I get that right. Uh is A you wonderful, got it. wonderful singer. Uh, she's going to be here in the desert on Sunday, November 28th, doing a cabaret show at the Arthur Newman Theater at the Jocelyn Center uh, called You Are My Lucky Star My Years Working with Debbie Reynolds. Hi, Lois. How are you?
6: I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me on the show today.
1: Absolutely. So tell us. So tell us about work. I I had the privilege. Gosh, it's been. Well, she's passed away now. But but I once interviewed Debbie Reynolds on the phone on my radio show years ago, and she was fabulous. She was charming. So tell us about working with her.
6: Oh, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It it really colored my whole life. Um, and it was a very long time ago. But uh, I I was with a group called the Unusual We. And, uh, we happened to be, um, we sang one of the nominated songs at the Golden Globe Awards in 1970.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: And Debbie saw us and she loved us and, um, we auditioned for a tour she was putting together and that's how we started working with her. But she was great. She, she was just so accessible and genuine. She always, um, you know, made sure that we were all doing well. Uh, and uh, we made remain friends with her, really our whole lives.
1: So how long how long did you tour with her? How long were you working with her?
6: About only about two years. Okay. But those years were really and defining for all of us. The girls in the group, there are five of us. We remained best friends our whole lives. We still are, although one of us has died. And. Um, she she even Debbie even came to some parties that we had or she threw parties where we went to them as well as whenever we'd go to see her perform she'd always introduce us to the audience by name mm-hmm. she's just just uh, very generous and loving
1: and what and tell me again what what the name of your group was it was called The Unusual We We W-E yes okay interesting and so, so what kind of music did you do
6: oh we Popular songs of the day. We were um, we were an opening act in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for a number of different stars on the main stages. We worked with people like Robert Goulet and Frankie Avalon, uh, George Carlin, Phil Harris, and Harry Carl. I mean Harry James. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then then we started working with Debbie, and then we were exclusively with Debbie for a while.
1: So tell me, so tell, let's go back up a little bit. Tell me about how you personally got started. Did you start singing as a kid? Did you always know that's what you wanted to do?
6: I always sang, mm-hmm. um, in school, uh, and I was always in the shows at school and I took voice lessons. Uh, I, I won some scholarships mm-hmm. both in junior high school and high school that gave me the money to have some singing lessons
3: mm-hmm.
6: and, um, Actually, my voice teacher was the one that sent me on an audition to some, uh, well, he didn't send me any audition. He sent me to some agents
3: mm-hmm. that
6: he knew, and they sent me on the one audition, which I got the job with the unusual we, mm-hmm. and I had been working at TWA in reservations at the time, mm. and... All of a sudden, I was off in Las Vegas on the main stage in the Frontier Hotel a wow. you know, Weeks later, and it was like, wow, all of a sudden, my life just changed in this wonderful, wonderful way, and um, so that's how I became professional,
3: mm-hmm.
6: and then the group, after about a year, we, as I said, sang that song at the Golden Globe Awards, which... Mm-hmm. Debbie saw and then asked us to audition for her tour.
1: So, did you, did you click with the group, the Unusual We? Did you all click right away?
6: Yeah, we did. It was a group of girls. The guys, um, we we all got along. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any divas, really, mm-hmm. and um, especially the girls, we all became best friends and remained that way.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's and such a
6: you know, it was a group, you know, you think maybe showgirls as being, uh, I don't know, kind of loose or, you mm. know, drinking and yeah. carrying on. But this group of girls was not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Just very, very wholesome. Mm-hmm. And we all just got along
1: well. Did your did your family encourage you when you were young to pursue this as a
6: career? Uh, no, I didn't really have it. My mother always... Wanted me to sing whenever mm-hmm. I was doing, you know. She'd always mm-hmm. say, "Come on, sing for my friends." Whenever mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> she'd have anybody yeah. over. But it was, it was. She never really pushed me in any direction. Mm-hmm. It was always, it was basically uh, almost an accident mm-hmm. that I got in, mm-hmm. <laughs> really.
1: So tell me how this show, particular show, came together that you're going to do on the 28th.
6: Well, I um, I've done a number of different cabarets. Mm-hmm. And I, my director, Clifford Bell, whom I think you know. Love
1: him, love him, uh, yes.
6: Yes, he's so fabulous. Yeah. And I've done a number of things with him uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. And um, this one, I said, you know, I really want to do something as a tribute to my time working with Debbie Reynolds.
3: Because
6: mm-hmm. I felt so strongly about it. Yeah. Especially after she died. Yeah. And um, so he helped me come up with the show. And we've contacted... Uh, Todd Fisher, whom I knew, Mm -hmm. because we traveled with Todd when he was a little boy. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've seen him a number of different times. Uh, And he encouraged me to do it as well. So that's how it came about. And now you're a wonderful musical director. Steve Steve Rollins. Rollins.
1: Yeah. And now I see special guests, Sue Evans and Sherry Williams and Jack Messenger. Now, were they in the original group?
6: Sue Evans and Sherry Williams were both. Okay. Yes. Okay. In the group. Sherry, a suicide dancer mainly,
3: mm-hmm.
6: and she was one of the original, uh, she founding members of The Unusual We. Okay. And um, then Sherry is a fabulous jazz singer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's worked in much in Palm Springs, but she works a lot. She lives in Temecula. Okay. And she runs the Merck there. Okay. And she's got a number of albums. She's, she's very well known. She's great. hmm and
1: um how about jack messenger
6: he's my he's my uh other half oh okay okay he's, uh, and uh, he's just got a sweet, really nice voice and um he's also we together produce theater here in uh the south bay where we live okay, and he's really good in it. An actor and uh, doesn't think he sings that well, but he really does. Okay, so we've asked him to sing a couple of duets with me.
1: Okay, so I always love to ask because I sing professionally too. I always love to ask singers. um, First of all, when you're, let's say, you don't have a show coming up, are you somebody that vocalizes a little bit every day?
6: I when I have a show coming up, Mm -hmm. I vocalize, and the every day, I can't say that I'm that. Diligent about it
1: uh-huh.
6: when I'm not working yeah. on something. Yeah. I should, but.
1: And now, are, do, you, do you read music or do you play an, an instrument as well?
6: I read music to a degree, but mm-hmm. I don't play an instrument. I have a piano where I can funk out notes, but right. I don't really play. Yeah.
1: Okay, all right. And then um, I always love to ask this question: before a show, before a performance, do you have any sort of rituals or a lucky, you know, lucky ring you wear or a certain <laughs> pra- prayer you say? I'm always curious about that.
6: Uh, I do not. Okay. I just. Um, I do a warm-up, for sure, Mm -hmm. and we always have a rehearsal of some sort before we go on, but Mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't have any rituals.
1: And now, when you, let's say that you were um, going to a club to go see some other uh, performer, or it's a jam session or something, and someone said, Lois, come up and sing a song. Do you have a a go-to song or a couple go-to songs in that kind of situation?
6: Uh, depends on I have. In the past, if I'm working on a show, I do the a show about uh, regarding the high uh, high standards mm-hmm. um, called it the Great American Songbook. So I had a number of songs that I was working on at that time that I would probably go to something like that.
1: Like what? What's one? What's one of your favorites from the Great American Songbook?
6: Oh, I did. I did a wonderful um, uh, medley from uh, Porky and Bess. Oh yeah, summertime and I love Shaporgi. Yeah, oh, I had a great, great, great arrangement that Steve put together from that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is Steve is Steve
1: Rollins? Is he based in your the same area that you
6: live? He's in um, lives more towards Hollywood.
3: Okay. Okay.
6: And I live in, in I, poor Steve and Steve <laughs> Stephen and Clifford have to travel a bit when they come to. Rehearse with me here, but uh, we've been managing it for years. It Works out. So, what
1: other? What other? Obviously, this is a, this show. It sounds like you you had wanted to do for a while to put this show together as tribute to Debbie Reynolds. Do you have other shows kind of percolating in the back of your head? Things on your bucket list that you want to do as a performer?
6: I haven't thought of my next project yet. Actually, then this one has been. Kind of germinating, and we we did it at the Catalina Bar and Grill mm-hmm. uh, about a month ago, and um, so I, it's been pretty much just thinking about this.
1: Yeah, and uh, do you have? Do you, are you going to take it other places on the road after the twenty eighth? Do you think?
6: We're thinking about it. We haven't found uh, the next venue yet, mm-hmm. but we are thinking about it.
1: Okay, and tell so, me about the no. theater. You, you and your husband, you and your partner produce produce theater in the Bay Area. Tell me about that. About that.
6: Well, uh, we've been doing it uh, before the pandemic, anyway, at a little theater in uh, Hermosa Beach called uh, the Second Story Stage. Okay, and um, after about a year of the pandemic, and after people started feeling a little bit more confident. About getting out. We mm-hmm. started doing it in our backyard. Oh. And we've done about, let's see, we've done two plays and a cabaret mm-hmm. in our backyard. that, And people just loved it because they got outside. Yeah. Out of the house and outside where they felt comfortable.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: And uh, we had lighting and everything. We had a beautiful backyard with a really nice uh, patio area that mm-hmm. became the stage. Yeah. And uh, it, it worked out really well but now that, now we're going back we're going to be doing a, a play in June uh at, at back at the second story they're starting to do plays again there so mm-hmm.
1: and have you found the the sort of producing behind the scenes thing just as just as um fulfilling creatively as being out on stage
6: um in some ways yes but mm, it's a lot it's a lot of work a lot so. of work yeah <laughs> especially when you're doing lighting in your backyard and yeah, having to imagine. hang the lights yourself yeah. and getting it, you know and covering them every night with some plastic so they don't get wet oh dear yeah so,
1: <laughs> yeah it's a lot of work
6: but yeah and but
1: yeah well and it's been fun I want to encourage everyone to go check out. I've done a couple of shows that the Arthur Newman, it's wonderful. And Les Michaels has put together this wonderful cabaret series. So you want to check out uh, Lois Bergon. Let me get that right. Uh, you are my lucky star. My years working with Debbie Reynolds, uh, directed by Clifford Bell, musical director, Steve Rollins. Special guests, Sue Evans, Sherry Williams, and Jack Messenger. It's Sunday, November 28th. Doors open at 2 p.m. Shows at 3 p.m. Uh, Tickets are $15, cash only at the door. Uh, It's a great little venue, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful show. Um, Congratulations to you, and uh, break a leg, and thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate Uh, it.
6: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me, Bonnie.
1: All right, go check out Lois. You are my lucky star. All right, we'll be back with more. Thank you. You're welcome. On On the desert scene in just a bit.
0: Desert Scene on Radio 111, cultural events and the people who make it happen in the desert cities with Bonnie G and Brian Mendoza.
2: Today we get to do pop culture history real quick, and then we got a couple housekeeping things for you. So on November 19th, which was yesterday, if you're listening to this later on, it's that's the day we're going to focus was, on yeah. Yes okay. Yes when it was I was going to say What else do I have to say mm-hmm. Rocky uh, Rocky and his friends debut. So basically The very first Incarnation of rock The Rocky and Bullwinkle okay. show Shows up What year was that? 1959 Okay In 1959 November 19th And then November 20th 1973 A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving Finally airs on okay. For the first time And then Let's go ahead And go over to November 21st, 1942, Tweety Bird first appears in his very first skit, A Tale of Two Kitties. Okay. Now, okay. that he was originally called Orson, and he was very different. He was he, called Orson? Yes, in that first one. And okay. he also was a jerk, if I remember that one. Oh, really? Like, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, when I was looking at these, I was like, you know, that very first Tweety skit, he was so mean to the cats and I was like mm. he does this like really weird thing where like his character is just like sleepy all day but then like instantly when something happens you can tell in his eyes that he's really just wants to start some trouble because he mm-hmm. wants to beat the crap out of these okay. like cats and I'm saying they're like well he's not as nice as I remember him being and then next week November 25th three man in, in 1987 three men and a baby finally comes out in theaters. Mm, okay. Did you ever see that one? Three men and the baby. I Babies? saw your original. Yeah. 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 And that one was okay. If I remember that, being. it was know, entertaining. It was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then last year around the same time saved by the bell finally came back. So if you're into that, it came back and then night, November 26 in night, 1865, The very first American edition of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland shows up, finally gets published. That was the book. Okay. Yes, the book. And then in 1942, November 26, a movie, a very, very, very famous movie gets into limited release, Casablanca. Mm. So I do want to also address some housekeeping while we still have a little bit of time. Now... We're not going to be having a a show next week because of Thanksgiving. So, you know, again, stay safe out there and be sure, you know, not only because of what's going on in the news. So there might be some political fire here and there, but also watch your back. Be careful wherever you are. Yeah. And also just be careful not to get someone sick during the holidays. Mm -hmm. Get that booster as we've encouraged. And also just be sure to, you know, just. Make smart decisions yeah. during the holidays. Inside you know?
1: with a bunch of people wear a mask all that good
2: stuff. Yes, yeah. definitely. And also, I do want to encourage people to check out the social media handles for Radio One eleven. so the ra- the media handles are for Facebook. Twitter and, and Instagram. And the website. We and the website. website. So mm-hmm. yeah. So it's radio111.com. So same with everything else. So it's radio111, not radio111 spelled out. Yeah, 111. One, one. Yeah. yeah. So just wanted to let everybody know that there's going to be some announcements slash changes and updates to all the programs including flicks and picks which was the program that I did last hour t- 2 hours ago but that also includes this program mm-hmm. so be sure to check out for any updates during Thanksgiving weekend or yeah. the week afterwards for any updates um, there's going to be some things changing and there's on demand podcasts so if you missed an episode or your or anything like that go on there and check those you can episodes find it, yeah.
1: and we will be doing in some form or another a holiday show special, yeah. so
2: watch so, for that. Oh yeah, so definitely we do have a holiday special yeah. coming up, which we're excited about because I imagine mm-hmm. we're gonna get some musical guests. Well, yes, right? we are. Yep. Stories and all that. So definitely that's coming up pr- in about a month because honestly, after next week, it's like three weeks and then Christmas. It all comes pretty fast. Yeah. Yes, and certainly I do also want to mention that again follow these websites mm-hmm. for any updates for updates, b- yeah. updates because there's going to be some big changes on radio 111 and we're and don't let don't say that we didn't let you know there's going to be some yeah. changes yeah. and announcements Yeah.
1: so just keep yeah keep keep up you know just check the check the website check facebook and you'll 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 stay updated
2: yes certainly and also just want to remind everybody that um again like podcasts are online so there's going to be so the uh, definitely check out those podcasts for any additional episodes and all that mm-hmm. and if i also i just wanted to say that like i hope you have a happy thanksgiving Bonnie. Uh,
1: i'm going to be enjoying my salmon and everyone else is having turkey <laughs> uh, but i want to say real quick to get in thank you to our guests uh janice fry denise strand and lois bergon um, Great, great women. It was,
2: it was Ladies' Day today. Ladies' Day and all that. You know, I should have wrote when I wrote the episode some synopsis. I should have written it's Ladies' Day at very creative ladies so yeah we're so you know go out there stay safe but
1: things again things are opening up more and more for entertainment so just if you're gonna, if you're gonna go see stuff be safe uh, you know if you're inside wear a mask if some things are outside you know get your
2: boosters I mean that's the smartest thing to do and also financially don't stress yourself too much over Thanksgiving dinner so like if you feel like you know, you gotta save some money to go buy a Thanksgiving like dinner at a restaurant. Don't go crazy with Don't money. go crazy. Or at Christmas either. It's yeah. it don't need to do it. Yeah, so don't worry about it and don't feel like you're less because you have to buy it. Just go and buy that Thanksgiving dinner at Denny's. Whatever you know. works. <laughs> Whatever All works right. for happy you. Happy
1: Thanksgiving. Watch the website and we'll we'll talk to you soon on the Discord. We'll see thing.
2: you soon. And happy Thanksgiving and be safe.